We good? Okay. Yes. Wait. When we asked Marilyn, the owner of Mar Dogs Variety and Things, why she chose Monon 16, why she chose the building she did, she didn't talk about real estate or the area being part of the promise zone. She talked about security, about a school, and about the promise of a future. Schools bring safety to a community, and we realize now how integral they can actually be. This is Inquiry. We're going out into Indianapolis neighborhoods and we're meeting the people who live and work in them. This podcast is about the stories we come back with. about the Oaks Academy, the middle school that sits directly across from her store on 16th and Columbia. She said that we take care of our children, we meaning the community, the neighbors. A school represents security and stability. They bring new people, parents dropping off their kids, spending time in the neighborhood before and after class. Schools add a vibrancy to an area, a constant ebb and flow. There are case studies about the importance of a quality school in a neighborhood, how it can lead to revitalization, and on the flip side of that, how a school closing down can damage the community. Marilyn's right. We care about the futures of our children, or at least we should. So we invest in them. And while Marilyn might not be a real estate investor, we did talk to someone who is. A few weeks back when we spoke with Mark Nottingham from Nottingham Realty, he said the same thing about the Oaks. It's bringing people into the neighborhood. It's providing a sense of safety. Other people in the neighborhood mentioned the school too, and they've only just completed their first full year as tenants in the building. But so many people have mentioned them to us without even being prompted. Their move into the neighborhood was significant. The Oaks has a history of moving into neighborhoods similar to Monon 16 and being influential in their renewal. We figured it was time we went to talk with the head of school, yeah. Laura Grammer. Yeah, I mean, we just, we love being here. It's, it's wonderful. And especially, you know, we're leasing this building from IPS, mm. so we don't own the building. So we just really love being a tenant here. And the Oaks, to quote their mission statement, is a Christ-centered school that exists to provide a rich, classical education to children of diverse racial and socioeconomic backgrounds. They want to prepare students to do well beyond their time at the Oaks, so they focus on more than just test scores and grades. They're intentional about how they approach their students, focusing on spiritual, social, and emotional maturity. There are 665 students spread across three campuses, an elementary school in Fall Creek, another in Brookside, and exactly in the middle of the two is the middle school in Monon 16. No, I think I think it was intentional in that Andrew Hart, our CEO, I mean, he would get in his car like every once, at least once a week, if not more often, mm-hmm. and just drive the neighborhoods in between the two schools and around the two lower schools, between Brookside and the Fall Creek location, and just see what buildings were available, um, where might be a good fit. Because we really wanted our families to feel like it was not inconvenient. If they had a kid in third grade and a kid in sixth grade, mm-hmm. that they wouldn't have to be driving to other parts of the city. And that, you know, if there are families coming from the Brookside neighborhood, um, that they would, it would be convenient for them. Before, the middle school was in the same building as the Fall Creek Elementary School. We both went to the Oaks and spent our grade school years in that building. 
Back then, the Fall Creek neighborhood looked a lot like how Monon 16 looks yeah, now. I, I mean, one of our core values is this idea of being a catalyst for renewal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, obviously we're not doing all the renewing, but just being part of that conversation and being a spark for that. And um, the Fall Creek um, location where the Oaks started kind of moved into a neighborhood and shared mm-hmm. space and really worked together to um, build a great school there now that we've expanded in the Brookside neighborhood and now the two lower schools are feeding into the middle school it's great that we're in a, a neighborhood that um, we think is really an exciting place to be so yeah. there's great things going on here but especially tapping into the history of what's already gone on here there's such a rich history we just love being part of that and um, meeting the neighbors and hearing those stories and wanting to be part of something positive that's already here. So, This school's been an anchor in the neighborhood for a lot of years and so we just hope to kind of continue on that um, pattern here and make something, continue something really positive in the neighborhood. Yeah. So. The building the Oaks Middle School is in used to be School 26, the John Hope School. Laura shared a bit of the history with us, how the school played such an integral part of the neighborhood that every alumni she talked to has told her how wonderful the place was. School 26 was the anchor Laura's talking about, and as the Oak settles into their old building, her hope is that they can fill the shoes they left behind. Brightwood area. Mm. So I say from kindergarten till sixth grade, I attended School 26, John Hope School 26. This is Connie. She grew up in the neighborhood, up on 20th and Yandy's actually, but she spent most of her childhood on 16th Street. Across the street from that were OG, Triple OG's car washes. Mm -hmm. There was um, Joe's Fish Market, Hmm. which sold live fish. So, yeah, so every Friday everybody would be, I mean, just all through the week or whatever, but pretty much on Fridays because, you know, people eat fish on Fridays. So it would be just totally packed. You have a good memory. I better. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I better. Connie remembers a Monon 16 that's pretty different from the one we see when we're in the neighborhood. We talked about that with her. She describes this vibrant community of people, but that's not what we've experienced when we're there. Actually, we were laughing about how we get some weird looks when we walk around the neighborhood today. When we asked her what she thought brought on that change about where all those families went, she paused for a moment before saying she really wasn't quite sure. They migrated elsewhere, you know, um, and then a lot of times when new development comes in and just like Gleaners, they did all that face work and beauty for them, but then you see your other parts of your community that's dilapidated, nobody's trying to do nothing in there. So then once we do try and get with people who can redevelop your area, and then you keep getting knocked down, it's like, okay, well look, let me just go somewhere else, you know. Mm -hmm. Then you have um, a lot of people losing housing on eminent domain and different things like that, or, economy goes down you lose your job so there goes your house you know 
taxes, property taxes and different stuff like that. So if you can't pay your property taxes, guess what? You lose your business or you lose your home. So, Despite uh, how the neighborhood is now, Connie has such fond memories of the neighborhood she grew up in. It was so community-oriented, she said. Actually, her way of describing what it was like to grow up there was to ask if we'd ever heard the expression, it takes a village to raise a child. We would play together, we would go to school together, a lot of us would worship together. So therefore, my, you're, say for instance, your mom worked days, my mom worked nights. So your mom is at work in the daytime, so guess who's on shift and duty? My mom. So therefore, the table switch around at night, she's looking out your mom because she's at home in the evening. But I lived on 20th and Yandy's. Now, mind you, we were talking about shops down here on 16th Street. Okay, well, I'm riding my bike. A friend of mine asked me, can I ride your bike? Okay, my mom tells me, you cannot ride on 16th Street with your bike. Mm. Guess who got in trouble because my friend was riding my bike? And it wasn't me. But because the village was looking out for us, then, oh, they know my bike, thinking they know what I look like, you know, so they relay that message to my mom. I got in trouble with them. Then I get home and I get in trouble again. So <laughs> it, it was crazy. And I'm like, well, God, how does she know that wasn't even me? You couldn't tell her it was, yeah, you couldn't tell her it wasn't me. The neighborhood used to be safer, tighter knit. Everyone looked out for everyone else. Connie talks about how it kept the kids safe and out of trouble. If you got in a fight, the village knew about it. If you were supposed to be watching your younger siblings, there was no skipping off. She and her friends used to hang out late into the night without worrying about danger. They had the village looking out for them. At the end of our conversation, Connie mentioned that she often works with various community outreach programs for kids. She said that you have to teach children that they can't let themselves be defined by anyone other than themselves, that they have the choice and the ability to guide themselves through life. She said that if they are confident, if they believe they are capable, they can accomplish anything. This isn't necessarily a new or unknown concept. Most people have a good understanding of this, but as she was explaining that, I thought, what if we looked at our neighborhoods the same way? What does it look like to take ownership of our neighborhoods and our communities? To not let them be defined by others who are on the outside looking in, or to look at it from the other angle. What does it look like for people on the outside who want to help a neighborhood that's struggling to truly help? How can we step into a place we don't know much about and contribute what we can without telling the people there what they need or changing the things they like? Monon 16 is not the small town, tight-knit community that Connie remembers. It hasn't been for a while, but it's also not the desolate neighborhood that we first thought it was either. It's on the brink of change right now, and a lot of people want so many different things for the neighborhood. We have what we hope happens, and there are things that we know will happen. Connie's seen Monon 16 at its high and its low, so we asked her what she hoped the future holds for the neighborhood. 
<laughs> in a perfect world, um, we need that village again. We need everybody to come together as one. Uh, let's make some changes together versus me being a business owner and that's all I'm concerned with is my business. Be concerned with your community or area neighborhood that you're in because guess what? If your neighborhood or community is together, focused, and thriving, business is going to thrive. This podcast is written and produced by Adeline Sensabaugh and Tucker Krajewski in partnership with the City Gallery. Our intro and outro music is by Rocketbot and I Made Everything Else You Heard. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And if you have any questions or would like to talk to us, you can email us at inquirypodcast at gmail.com or just come into the Harrison Center. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.